famous for something. Now, at sixteen, Monica Douglas was a prefect, famous mostly for mathematics which she could do in her brain, and for her anger, which, when it was lively enough, drove her to slap out to right and left. She had a very red nose, winter and summer, long, dark plaits, and fat, peg-like legs. Since she had turned sixteen, Monica wore her Panama hat rather higher on her head than normal, perched as if it were too small, and as if she knew she looked grotesque in any case. Rose Stanley was famous for sex. Her hat was placed quite unobtrusively on her blonde, short hair, but she dented in the crown on either side. Eunice Gardner, small, neat, and famous for her sprightly gymnastics and glamorous swimming, had the brim of her hat turned up at the front and down at the back. Sandy Stranger wore it turned up all round and as far back on her head as it could possibly go. To assist this, she had attached to her hat a strip of elastic which went under the chin. Sometimes Sandy chewed this elastic, and when it was chewed down, she sewed on a new piece. She was merely notorious for her small, almost non-existent eyes, but she was famous for her vowel sounds, which long ago in the long past in the junior school had enraptured Miss Brodie. Well, come and recite for us, please, because it has been a tiring day. She left the web, she left the loom, she made three paces through the room. She saw the water lily bloom. She saw the helmet and the plume. She looked down to Camelot. It lifts one up, Miss Brodie usually said, passing her hand outwards from her breast towards the class of ten-year-old girls who were listening for the bell which would release them. Where there is no vision, Miss Brodie had assured them, the people perish. Eunice, come and do a somersault in order that we may have comic relief. But now the boys with their bicycles were cheerfully insulting Jenny Gray about her way of speech, which she had got from her elocution classes. She was going to be an actress. She was Sandy's best friend. She wore her hat with the front brim bent sharply downwards. She was the prettiest and most graceful girl of the set, and this was her fame. Don't be a lout, Andrew, she said with her uppish tone. There were three Andrews among the five boys, and these three Andrews now started mimicking Jenny. Don't be a lout, Andrew, while the girls laughed beneath their bobbing Panamas. Along came Mary McGregor the last member of the set, whose fame rested on her being a silent lump, a nobody whom everybody could blame. With her was an outsider, Joyce Emily Hammond, the very rich girl, their delinquent, who had been recently sent to Blaine as a last hope because no other school, no governess could manage her. She still wore the green uniform of her old school. The others wore deep violet. The most she had done so far was to throw paper pellets sometimes at the singing master. 
she insisted on the use of her two names, Joyce Emily. This Joyce Emily was trying very hard to get into the famous set, and thought the two names might establish her as a something, but there was no chance of it, and she could not see why. Joyce Emily said, There's a teacher coming out, and nodded towards the gates. Two of the Andrews wheeled their bicycles out onto the road and departed. The other three boys remained defiantly, but looking the other way as if they might have stopped to admire the clouds on the Pentland Hills. The girls crowded round each other as if in discussion. Good afternoon, said Miss Brodie when she approached the group. I haven't seen you for some days. I think we won't detain these young men and their bicycles. Good afternoon, boys. The famous set moved off with her, and Joyce, the new.